0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Dude. I love that. I'm Liv. And today we are diving into a 90s kids dream show, One Tree Hill. And we're typing all of the main characters from the series for the most part. I'm trying to keep this episode short because otherwise I'm just going to dive in and it's going to be like way too much. But if there's other characters that I don't mention today that you specifically want me to talk about, please DM me on Instagram. You can find the podcast there at dude, I love that podcast, or you can find me at Hey, it's Liv James. And let me know who you want me to talk about, what you want to hear, all that good stuff. But as far as today, we're talking about the main people of the show that you see throughout the entire series so this is going to be an in-depth one so buckle up and let's go first off let's talk about Haley let's do that that'll be fun so Haley is a very interesting one basically we never really get to see any really healthy sexual or one-to-one subtype type ones and I don't know why that is or i sorry In pop culture, we don't get to see them. That's what I'm trying to say. And I don't know why. I think it's because the one is very easy to make into a villain or to make kind of like the hated character for some reason. And it's like, that's rude. Because like, not all ones are this caricature that you make up in TV shows and movies. So it kind of bums me out because I just don't think it's right. But Haley is the perfect example of a young, very put together one-to-one slash sexual subtype one. And the reason I'm making that distinction on her subtype, because I'm not going to dive into subtypes really in this episode, it's just going to be way too long. But for Haley, the reason I make that distinction is because the sexual subtype one is very different from the social and self-preserving one, whereas the the social and self-preserving one is considered more of, quote, the perfectionist whereas the sexual subtype one is definitely more along the lines of a reformer. So the difference in that being the reformer is going to come along and be more of like an encouraging force that helps you kind of get past things, uh, helps you to better yourself in areas, but they're not quite as, I guess some would say intense, but I don't think that's the right word, as the more perfectionistic subtype ones. So I think that's a good distinction to make because I wonder if people wouldn't type her as a one right off the bat because of that. So that's where I really wanted to highlight that because I think subtype really is everything with her. And that's what probably makes her look a lot like a social subtype six or even an eight, like a self-preserving eight. So I did just want to you know, point that out and share with you because if you are a sexual subtype one, you probably don't see yourself in pop culture very often, but this is a prime example. So if you haven't seen One Tree Hill, definitely check it out. Anyways. Haley is really the linchpin of the show. If you think about it, the friend group and the show would not have been the same without Haley because she provides a very mom friend type vibe. And without her, we wouldn't see the incredible progression with Nathan. We wouldn't really see Lucas get outside of his comfort zone in the beginning of the series. I mean, she was the one that was like, you should go in there. You should do it. Like you have just as much a right to out for the basketball team as Nathan does and whatever. And so I think with Haley, she's the one that always is giving the great advice. She's the one that can kind of see multiple steps ahead and be like, you need to do this because anyone in the gut triad knows your gift is being able to sense something and go in that direction and even help other people go in that direction. If you sense something for them, which is so one. And so with Haley, the thing that we see her doing quite often is she's the one that people come to when crap hits the fan and it's like what am I gonna do and she's like well this happened that happened you acted this way so what needs to happen is this which is also very type six ish if you think about it because the six is the devil's advocate and they kind of see all of that but as a one she's actually leaning into her nine wing because nines are known for seeing every side of a situation because they're literally the best of all nine types. They have a little bit of all that in them. And so they're able to pull from all those different places and give you a really good overview. And so she's leaning into that type nine and she's saying, you know what, this is probably what's happening. And here's what you should do in order to get to X result. And so that's where Haley really serves an incredible purpose in this friend group and in the show at large, because she is really the one that grounds everybody and gets them to go on the right track. And even when we see her get totally off track herself and, you know, the whole Chris Keller thing, oh my gosh, Chris Keller. Can we talk about him for a second? I love and hate Chris Keller. I like, I deeply hate him, but I also love him. If you feel the same way, let me know what, just what are your thoughts on Chris Keller in general? I'm not going to dive into him in this episode, probably not at all, <laughs> but um, I just, he tickles me anyway when Haley goes off on tour with him and basically leaves Nathan for inadvertently for Chris Keller, we still see her. She knows what she did wrong. And she kind of lives this lie for a little bit, which I think people think that like ones never do anything quote wrong or whatever, but sometimes in like really stressful situations, low levels of health, If you want to know about the health levels, check out the Enneagram Institute. They have, I think, nine health levels, and you can see what a type looks like at their best and at their worst, which is very, very helpful when trying to type, especially for pop culture. But we see this Haley that becomes a little bit more deceitful, which ones can struggle with when they're in those low levels of health. And so that's where I think it would throw some people and be like, she can't be a one. She did this. But it's like, look, we all make mistakes Everybody has those days. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you got that, thank you. Um, But let's go ahead and move on to Nathan because I feel like the big crux of the matter here with Haley and with Nathan and defining their types is in their marriage. So let's go. Nathan is a bit of a struggle for me, if I'm gonna be honest. Reason being, I have this theory that piggybacks off of Krista's theory, which is the glow theory. A lot, of, a lot of theories happening, but you'll you'll understand in a second. So, Krista's theory, which is called the glow, is that when a couple is married or together for a really long time, they begin to kind of rub off on each other in terms of their personalities, the way they approach situations, their line of thinking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, I think this can actually apply to all situations. I think that. It can happen um, with like you and your boss. We joked that Krista and I had a work glow when we were working together. And I think it can happen with family and all kinds of stuff or even best friends. And so part of me thinks that Nathan, especially in the beginning of the series, is really in this like, glow with his dad and his dad was really the one force in that family that was the loudest like his voice is the loudest and that's what Nathan heard and he wrote Nathan constantly about being perfect and so obviously as a child you want to appeal to the one person that is like the one parent that maybe isn't giving you what you want because you want that and so he's always like you need to be perfect you're a reflection of me blah 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 like you need to be the best And so he was very three-ish, right? Dan's very three. And so I think we see a lot of three qualities in Nathan. Also, Dan is an unhealthy three. Like, don't get me wrong. Don't think I think that about all threes. Dan was a narcissist, a raging narcissist. And he also happened to be a type three. I think some people would think he's an eight, but he's a three. He's, yeah, he, but he is very narcissistic and has some, deep issues so i'm not saying that about all threes i'm not saying all threes are narcissists i'm not saying all threes suck like this is just a dan problem it's just him so anyways and also oh my gosh ward from outer banks Uh, i can't stand him anyway besides the point all i'm saying is i think that nathan became a very danish version of himself and when we see him later on in the series He gets out of that, right? Because he's out from under Dan's immediate influence. And so he becomes more of like who he actually is. And so I'm trying to put all of that together as I'm typing him. And I've come up with a few different ideas. I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm going to embrace my eight and my tri-type and go with him either being a seven or a two. I know those weren't what you were expecting, most likely, but I will explain So the reason I thought seven is because I definitely think that Nathan's in the aggressive, assertive stance. And that's because when push comes to shove, he really is, well, he's kind of aggressive in all that he does. Like he really does want to go for things. He doesn't do it with like the intensity of a type eight and he doesn't do it with the goal-oriented mindset of a three. So that leaves like seven. And to me, If we look at, oh my gosh, if you've never read this book, hold on. I literally have it right here. So if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, you can see it. This book right here by Beatrice Chestnut is so helpful. But a lot of times with sevens, they had kind of a crazy childhood that left them in fear of not having enough. And I think in a way, Dan deprived Nathan of love. You know, he was like, I'm not, I don't have enough. And so that's why he was looking for it in girls and parties and material things, like anything he could find that would fill that void for him. And any type can really go through that, right? Like any type can want to fill the void with something. But I'm just saying in Nathan's case, it feels like a seven move paired with the aggression. I think it makes a lot of sense. Also, I think there was a little bit of like, this is mine. Like you can't have any when it came to Lucas and the basketball team. And so that does make me think seven and that kind of scarcity mindset that seven sometimes have when it comes to, Hey, I haven't had enough. So like, I don't have enough to give you, which kind of pulls from their connection to a type five. Right um, like the avarice. And so that's why I was thinking seven. However, the reason that I also said type two is because the passion of a two is pride. And part of me wonders was his aggression was his, well, I guess, I guess it's were his actions. Hmm. Yeah. Were his actions coming from a place of, I know it's best. Like this is my team and you don't have a place here. Was it coming from that like low level health too? Because I also think, you know, back in the beginning when Lucas gets on the team and Nathan's furious, he weasels his way into Haley's life by manipulating her through this sob story. And he knew like exactly which buttons to push to get Haley to take him on as a tutoring case and like have sympathy for him. So I wonder a bit of that. Plus if we, if we tie in the fact that he didn't get that love and that appreciation and all of that from Dan. And so was he deep down, like, I have to give to get? Was he having that struggle of the two? And especially that childhood wounding, like that is so difficult and sad for a kid to have to go through. So I wonder if that's what he's acting out of, but that doesn't feel as like readily there to me as a seven, but I'm open to hearing what you think. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, he's an eight or he's a three or maybe even a counterphobic six. But I don't really feel that too much. I I think I'm going to go with seven because I I've convinced myself talking through it with you. (laughs) However, I do want to say I think he's a seven with an eight wing for sure. And then I also think that he has a three in his tri type. And then he's probably yeah, he's probably a seven, eight three that's what I'm thinking. Oh, and then let me talk about their marriage really fast. So the funny thing is, so seven goes to one in stress and then a one goes to seven in health. And so we see a lot of one seven marriages and it's wonderful because they bring out the best in each other. And they're also just able to connect more because they can kind of put themselves in the other's shoes. And so when we see Haley and Nathan together, uh, this is going back to the whole glow thing. Nathan starts to become a very one-ish seven and Haley starts to become a more seven-ish one. I think the greatest example of, of that is when Haley and Nathan kind of first start dating, we see her start to ditch classes. We see her start to embrace spontaneity and having fun and choosing quality of life over achievements and school and like quote, doing the right thing because skipping class, like who cares? It's not that bad. So uh, in in her mind though, it was bad, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Like that would be horrific. And so I think it's really special to see that one loosen up and enjoy their seven. And I think it's so great for the seven to embrace that one because then they're they're able to do more, right? Because they, they're they more structured and organized. And so there's not all this like white noise going on of, of distractions. And so that's why we see this incredible marriage between Neely. And if Neely is your all-time favorite pop culture ship, let me know. But let's go ahead and move on to Lucas. So he's an interesting one. I feel like there were two types the entire series that I was going back and forth on. And it was a type four and a type nine, which- I don't know if those are like controversial typings, but if they are, then whatever, I don't care. This is what I think. So for Lucas, the reason that I really ended up landing on a nine, just to say that, but the reason I even thought nine in the first place was because he seems very steady and stable, but also it seems like he really was always in hot water because he couldn't like make a firm decision. And I think, you know, nines, because they really do see all sides of the coin, or all sides of a story, there's only two sides to a coin. You know what I'm saying? Because they see all sides, I think it's hard for them to choose a solid answer because it's like the possibilities are out there. And so for Lucas, when it comes to his love life, he just struggles, he does. And, you know, remember, Nine's passion is sloth. And so they can be slow on the draw. And that's where we see, you know, Lucas, it took him four freaking seasons to finally tell Peyton that he wanted to be with her. Four seasons too long, my friend. Four seasons. That's a lot of episodes. I wanted a resolution to that like season two. I'm like, come on, dude, make a move. Anyways, for Lucas, the reason that I think I was seeing him more as a four sometimes is because of nine merging. If you've never heard me talk about merging or have never heard the concept, basically type nines have a tendency to adopt or mirror personality traits of the person that they're with. And so that's where I think with Lucas, when he was with Peyton, he's very four-ish. When he is with Haley, he's very one-ish and like, you know, wants to be right. He sees things in more of a black and white stance, you know, et cetera. And then when, Lucas is with Brooke. He's more fun-loving. He's more spontaneous and like just going for things and isn't held back by by that asleep to the world vibe. And so that's where I think it's difficult to type him. And typically type 9s are hard to type because unless they're just very very clearly a 9, which I mean that happens, but a lot of times you're like, are they this? Are they that? Like I don't know, they're kind of exhibiting some of these characteristics and whatever is because they mirror. And so that's why it can be difficult, but that's, you know, ultimately why I did choose a nine for him because he does fluctuate depending on who he's with. And then let's go ahead. Oh wait, Lucas's wing. I didn't talk about that. Yeah. I would say Lucas definitely has a one wing and that's probably why he and Haley just get along so well. And I think that's also why maybe it took so long for Lucas to go for Peyton, because I think, he felt like indebted to Brooke because he had he had screwed her over a couple times by this point. And so he's like, I need to do the right thing, but he's also feeling like I want this. So what do I do? And so he's going back and forth and ultimately kind of sleeps to his desires. And we see that again play out in the five-year jump with Lindsay and Peyton. Poor Peyton. She is just always in the freaking hot seat. It's like, ugh, can someone just choose her and be done? Like, where's Jake? Can we bring Jake back? I Peyton, Jake, forever. I love them together. I wish they would have stayed together. It makes me mad. But enough about that. Let's actually move on to Peyton. So this one I'm not going to spend much time on because it's fairly clear that she's a four. And that's because, again, this is one of those caricatures of a type four that I'm like, I love and hate it because, yes, fours are very creative, very artistic, and typically end up in a creative field. And... With Peyton, she's obviously like the music connoisseur, okay? Her entire bedroom is records. So that's really fun to see the like nostalgic, aesthetic, what other words can I use? Very artsy for. And what's funny is I feel like there's some interpretation for her subtype because In a sense, she has learned to really live with the pain and move through it like a self-preserving four, which I talk about self-preserving fours all the time because I think they're very underrepresented and like under-identified in terms of pop culture. It's like, oh, they're just a four. And then people just move on and it's like, no, but the self-preserving four looks very different than the other two subtype fours. So for her, it's like she could be. And I think in certain seasons, she is more self-preserving. In other seasons, I feel like, she kind of fluctuates between a sex, or sorry, between, yes, no, between a sexual and a social, there we go, four. And I don't know what to say about her type 99% of the time in terms of subtype, but she's definitely a four nonetheless. But for Peyton, she's obviously had a lot of loss in her life. And I think that's kind of what she connects to. Like, that's the thing that she remembers the most and that she connects to the most. And, you know, for better or for worse, We don't really know, but she loves to be authentic to herself. And she really brings out authenticity in others. She's the one that will call you out if you're being fake. You know, she's like, stop that. That's ridiculous. Like you need to be you. I'll be me. Let's hang out. And so for Peyton, she requires the people that she's around to go deep, to look within, because there are several types in this show that really wouldn't want to look within because it's scary. And she's like, no, but it's essential. And so we love Peyton. And I'm so glad that she and Lucas end up together at the end. And last but not least, let's talk about Brooke. I have heard chatter on the interwebs that people think that she's a counterphobic six. I'm here to tell you she's not. I will go to my grave saying she's not a counterphobic six. And I will give you three reasons right now. Number one, does she exhibit any signs of wanting other people's opinions before she makes a decision, she is very decisive. And if you know a six, even if they are counterphobic, and I can say that because I'm counterphobic, they are not the most decisive types. And they will ask everybody and their mother, what do you think I should do about this? What is your opinion on this? Hey, have you thought about, (laughs) you know, they'll just go back and forth for forever and like refuse to make a solid decision right off the bat. Number two, have we ever seen her? with a single ounce of anxiety. Not that anxiety is the hallmark situation of sixes. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it is something that sixes deal with. And I've never once seen her deal with anxiety, okay? Number three, does she seem at all fearful about other people being without support? Like, no, no, she doesn't. And even the most counterphobic of sixes still has all those things, which means she's not a counterphobic six. She's not a six period. What I do think she is, is more along the lines of a type three or type eight. And I might have a controversial take on this one. I think I am going to go with an eight for Brooke. And the reason is because especially like when they do the time jump, I think we see a Brooke that is extremely driven, knows what she wants. She doesn't care if, if other people think that she's like stupid for giving up um, parts of her business or for moving back to tree Hill. She's like, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to do it. And, you know, of course, when she's in high school, she's a little bit more of that, like three vibe, but at the end of the day, she gets stuff done like an eight, like she decides she wants to do it and actually goes through with it. Whereas I think threes tend to take a little longer to actually have the action part of everything. And they're like, I want to do this, but maybe it takes them a few more days to like get moving on it. Whereas the eight will be like, I wanted, to, I just saw this situation. This is a perfect example. The other day, this eight on social media had something happen on Instagram and their content was taken down. And they were like, you know, I think I'm going to start a sub stack. It was like two hours later, their sub stack was up they ready to go. And it was like done. It was literally a matter of hours. And that's like how an eight rolls. They really do go with their gut and like, you know, take no prisoners. They're just gone. So if that says anything about Brooke and eights, like, I think it's very clear that she's an eight. And I do just want to say the reason I think people think that she's a three is because she is more flirty. And so I think sometimes people are like, oh, that's so three, because she's like, got the self-confidence and she is just like, I don't know, good with people, but remember the eight's passion is lust. And it's not just like in a sexual way. Lust is a lust for life. It's a lust for things. It's a lust for that Girl Scout cookie. You can't get enough of, you know, it's like kind of one isn't enough. You have to have more. So it's very similar to a seven. And I think sometimes eights and sevens can be mistype for one another. I definitely think that Brooke exhibits more of that eight personality than the three. And that's not to say that she doesn't have a three in her tri-type because I think she does or well, she is very two-ish. The other reason I think that she's an eight is because of the fact that in the time jump, we see her fostering kids all alone. If there was ever a thing that an eight would do that a three, I don't think would And it's not to say that like threes aren't caring and whatever. I'm just saying this is more of like that. I'll do it myself because I can't like, I'm not going to wait for somebody else. I'm going to do it myself. That is so eight. And she adopts or not adopts, but she fosters these kids and even a little baby, she fosters them and loves on them. And then she went from a baby to a teenage girl, which how much more like difficult could it get? And so it's funny because her eight comes out and she's that protective like mother figure, And she's good at setting boundaries. She's good at seeing what needs to be done and doing it. And I don't think Brooke gets enough credit. I think people see her as this kind of one-dimensional, like, oh, she's just the girl that like wants to hook up with everybody. Or she's the girl that wants to have this clothing line and be famous. And it's like, that's not the case. Like there is so much going on with Brooke that I don't think people look at right off the bat. Like they kind of just see what's on the surface and they're like, okay, I'll go with that. But really, I think Brooke has so much going on and her character has the most development out of everyone in the series. And seeing a young eight like that is so funny because it is completely different. Like her when she's younger and then her when she's in the five-year jump is drastically different. And so I think it's interesting to see that progression and to see her really grow into her personality and own Her assertiveness, because before she was almost using the assertiveness in like the wrong way, you could say. Not like the wrong way, but just like not to get her to a good end goal. Does that make sense? Hopefully that is making sense. But, anyways, this has been a very long episode, but I hope that you enjoyed. And I would love to cover some of the other characters that we see maybe more like in the five year jump versus at the high school. Um, but I'm open to anything. If there's any characters that you want me to type specifically, let me know on Instagram. You can find me there at dude. I love that podcast or on my Instagram at Hey, it's Live James. And you can tell me who you want me to type, what you want to hear about, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, be sure and check back on Tuesday for a brand new episode because we are now uploading Tuesdays and Fridays. Anyways, thanks so much for listening or watching if you're on YouTube or Spotify and I'll see you next time. Bye.